Welcome to this Bible Center Church Core class. We hope that this in-depth teaching of God's Word will challenge you to grow in your knowledge of Him and help you become a disciple who makes more disciples. Well, welcome back to our core classes. Today we're going to be talking about God the Father, and I'm super excited about that. As we go through our core classes, we're also working through our membership statement of faith. So what I'd like to do is start by reading uh, the first couple parts uh, where we discuss God the Father. The way our statement of faith is set up is we talk about the person of the Father and then the work of the Father. So I'm just going to read the section on the person of the Father. And then the way we're going to spend our time together studying this topic is we're going to spend the first two core classes looking at his names. God has revealed himself through his name. So his nature and his names kind of go along with each other. And then we're going to look at his attributes. His attributes are his character qualities, how we see God responding to people and acting in different situations. It reveals what he's like and who he is. So we're going to study, the, we're going to read the work of the Father as we look at the attributes of God. So it'll be fun to work through this with you together. So let's start um, in section C. Number one, the person of our Father. There's two points. The first point says, God the Father is sovereign over all things. He alone is immortal, unseen, living in unapproachable light, a consuming fire, the only wise God. B says, he is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. So if we jump into our book. Uh, if you have your book, uh, we have these that you can download. It's our 201 level book. You can also click and order one of these and we print one out for you. It costs $10, which is actually a huge savings to you. We're on page 45 of that book and we're going to start at the top talking about the names of God. I remember as a kid, sometimes when my dad would get frustrated, he would just call out our name. Now, we had multiple golden retrievers growing up. One was named Max, one was named Mick. And when my dad would get frustrated, usually he would go through all the dog's names before he'd get to our name. So if he was mad at me, he'd say, Max, Mick, I mean Mike, and eventually he would say my name. Uh, I want us to be in a position where we know the Lord well enough that when we are frustrated, in fear, hurting, that we remember his name as the first name that comes to our mind. So when it comes to the names of God, God revealed himself to us over time. Let me read the first paragraph. It says, God has revealed himself more and more to man over time. He progressively rolls out to us what he's like. He's infinite. We're finite. That's how God needs to teach us about himself. In the same way that we reveal ourselves through our words, conversations, and interactions, and through our actions, God, through the history of the Old Testament, has shown us more and more of who he is through his actions and through his relationships with men. In his dealings with Israel and in his dealings with us, God shows his incredible patience, his grace, his mercy, his love, his holiness. Throughout the Psalms, God displays his beauty, his majesty, and his splendor as he emotionally connects with his people. In the prophets, God clearly proclaims his justice, at times his wrath, his jealousy, and his judgment is made known to all. In all these things, God is revealing his almighty power, his knowledge, of all things, past, present, and future, all in his perfect wisdom. God also reveals his nature through his names. Now, that's very different than the way maybe you and I are. I think the name Michael has some connection to, like, the angel in the Bible. My last name, Graham, I think in French means gray house, so that's not a very powerful thing. So, But 
Back in the day, people were often named based upon character qualities, and God himself would reveal himself through his names, teaching us and showing us more about who he is. So God reveals his nature through his names throughout the Bible. A name symbolizes the characteristics of the one bearing the name. The name speaks to the reality and nature of the person. God declares who he is through the multiple names that he uses for himself. What I love about this study, this isn't a study of what other people call God. It's a study of what God calls himself. So we know these names are true, accurate, and correct. A study of the names of God is a study of God himself. A passion for, the, for God propels us into this study, desiring more and more of him, not to be satisfied with a remedial knowledge of God, but wanting nothing less than knowing God himself. Over time, God reveals more of himself as he continues to teach us more about who he is through his names, through his character, through his attributes, as relationships and interactions with us and those in scripture. So I love jumping into this. I think it's terrific. There's a guy named J.I. Packer, and he wrote this incredible book called Knowing God, a book that I would love for you to get and spend time in. He says this, God's revealed name is, of course, more than a label. It is a revelation of what he is in relation to us. It's more than a label. It's a description of his relationship with us and to his world. Psalm 910 says, those who know your name will trust you. Referring to the Lord, those who know your name will trust you. The first name I'd like to look at, and I'd like to look at two in our time, is the name Elohim. Elohim. So when you look at your version, you're going to see either God or Lord. Uh, sometimes you're going to see the word Lord with all capitals. Sometimes you're going to see the capital L with a lowercase o-r-d. Depending on what that looks like, it's a different Hebrew name that's being used. But in English, it's hard to tell. Elohim is most often translated just simply God in the Old Testament in English. Elohim is the first name that God uses to reveal himself. It is the name consistently used throughout the first chapter of Genesis. In the beginning, Elohim. That's how your Bible starts. In the beginning, Elohim. From this very first verse alone, we learn a ton about who God is. Before all things were created, Elohim already was. Elohim is before everything created. Therefore, he must be eternal. All that is owes its existence to Elohim. So everything that's been created, everything, visible, invisible, sky, air, ground, people, creatures, owe their existence and their dependence upon their creator, Elohim. What's interesting is Elohim is a plural noun. A plural noun is sometimes used to express royalty or greatness. It's also possible that as early as the first description of God in the Bible, we see his triune nature right away in the creation of the world. This name implies a couple other things. It implies that God is over all of creation. It implies that he is mighty, strong, prominent, that he is great, that he is glorious, and that he is omnipotent and sovereign, meaning he is all-powerful and has control over all things. It was Elohim who said, let there be light, and then the darkness heard and fled as the light was simply created by God's voice speaking it into being. It was Elohim who created the world from the ocean floors to the deepest seas, to the highest mountain peaks. Every detail, every desert, every rainforest, Elohim created it all. Every moment of every day, Elohim looks over his creation and he sees every waterfall, every insect, every star, every sunrise. Elohim is king, ruler, creator over everything he has made. It was Elohim who created man in his own image. 
with the purpose to love man, to have mercy on man, to have a relationship with man. It was God, it was Elohim who created and looked at his creation and said, this is very good. In Isaiah chapter 44, verses 6 and 8, we see him using this name in a very specific way to, to emphasize something. The Lord says this, I am the first and the last. There is no God beside me. There is no Elohim beside me, verse 6. Verse 8 says, And you are my witnesses. There is no Elohim. There is no God besides me. So twice he states that. There is no Elohim. There is no one like me beside me. He is the one and only Elohim, creator God of the universe. The only one who is ruler, majestic, and has authority and power. Everything is dependent upon him and him alone. It's something that he tells his people to remember. There is no other Elohim besides me. So even for you and I, it's just a good thought. How often do we begin to place our dependence on someone or something else other than God himself? How often do we give authority to someone other than God himself? It's a good reminder for us that he alone is Elohim. He alone knows everything going on in our life. He alone has control and sovereign rule over the pieces around our life. He alone is the one that knows how everything is going to work out in the end. So his people back then needed to hear, I alone am Elohim. I need to hear, I alone am Elohim. You need to hear over and over again from our great creator, he alone is Elohim. So a good question that just I have for my life, something for you to be thinking about as you go forward at thinking about Elohim is, where are there aspects of your life that don't fall under his rulership and under his kingship? All of creation Everything falls under his rulership, but are there areas of your life that you haven't put under his rulership? The next name I want to look at is the name Yahweh. Yahweh is typically connected, this name, to God being our Redeemer and the self-existent one. It's often connected to this covenant, this relationship, this commitment he has between him and his people to save them as the Redeemer. When you look in the Old Testament, whenever you see the name Lord in all capital letters, that's the name Yahweh. Now, it's a little tricky because we're not exactly sure how to say this. This is usually referred to as just the name when people would reference it. They never said it out loud. So all we have in the text are those four consonants. Okay, That could be, depending on where you put the vowels, it could be Yahweh. Or if you change the vowels, it also sounds like Jehovah. So if you've heard God referred to as Jehovah, it's the same four letters, okay, just depending on which vowels you put where. So it could sound like either. So when I'm describing Yahweh and you're thinking, well, what about the name Jehovah? One and the same, okay? One and the same. This name is considered God's personal name. So in chapter one of Genesis, we talked about that being the name Elohim, okay? That was a cosmic account of the creation of everything. Let there be light. Boom, there was light. Let there be this. Boom, there it was. In chapter 2, if you spend time in that, it's more of a personal account. You see the description of, of grass, of plants, of the ground, of humans being made. Like it's, it's more of a personal account. And in that personal account, the reference point isn't God's name is Elohim, but it becomes more the reference point is Yahweh. So you see it connected to this personal creation this name is also considered holy. Um, again, 
It was never pronounced. It was just referred to as the name. There was death penalty imposed for those who blasphemed this name. Leviticus 24.16, if you use this name in a blasphemous way, you would lose your life. That's how significant this name is. The name is connected to God's redemptive work with his people. It is Yahweh who redeemed them from their sins and removed the consequences from his people. So if we go to Exodus chapter 6, you can turn there with me if you like. Uh, We're going to look at the name Yahweh and see him in action. So we're going to start right at the beginning of the chapter. And let me read verses 1 through 3. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to the Pharaoh, for under compulsion he, the Pharaoh, will let them go, and under compulsion he, the Pharaoh, will drive them out of his land. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. And that's the name Yahweh. He clarifies, I am Yahweh. This is a big moment. This is a moment where God's starting to give Moses a picture of what's going to happen to the people of Israel. He's giving them a picture of this redemptive process that's going to take place where he pulls them out of the nation of Egypt. And he calls them. He calls himself in that moment, I am the Lord. That's how he identifies himself in that moment. So he connects his name, Yahweh, to this incredible redemptive action that's about to take place. Verse 3, it says, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, or as El Shaddai. But by, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. Now, the name Yahweh was used quite a bit during the time of Abraham and Jacob, but in terms of the fact that this is connected to redemption and his saving work for his people, it's Moses who gets to see the name Yahweh and the character of God in action because of who he is being Yahweh. So this is a beautiful moment for everyone who wants to know God better and for Moses where God is saying, I'm taking your knowledge of me up a notch. For now on, when you hear the name Yahweh or Jehovah, you know that I am the God who saves. I am the God who redeems. Let's go a little bit farther. Let's do verses 6, 7, and 8. This is God talking to Moses, and he says, Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, I am Yahweh. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and great judgments. Then I will take you for my people. I will be your God. I will be your Elohim. And you shall know that I am Yahweh, your God. You will know that I am Yahweh, your Elohim. You will know, here's that personal component, you will know that I am the God who saved you, who personally took care of you, who is your independent, self-existent creator God. So you see both components there. So when he says, I'm the Lord your God, it's an incredibly powerful phrase. He's saying, I am the one who saved you, who personally knows you and loves you, who also created all things, who's all-powerful and lives above and beyond creation. I'm intimately involved with you, and I'm the one who rules sovereignly over all. So that's an incredibly powerful thought when we read the Lord your God. In verse 8, he says, I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. For I am your Yahweh. For I am your Lord. So even this connection of giving them a gift, uh, this land in which they will dwell and live, it's connected to the fact that he is their personal God. He is Yahweh. He is the Lord. 
It is significant to note that oftentimes Elohim and Yahweh are used together, just like that phrase we talked about, the Lord your God. And when you understand what he means by both of those names, just saying that phrase to yourself in the morning, he is the Lord my God. He is the one who personally knows me, intimately connected to me, saves me, redeems me, but yet he is ruler of all things. It really changes our focus for the day. In Deuteronomy 6, 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh, the one who saves, he is our God. He is the ruler of all things, the self-existent one, the creator, the mighty God of the universe. It is awesome to realize that your Redeemer, Yahweh, is also powerful, Elohim, and therefore able to save. Think about it. If he was personal and wanted to save you but didn't have the power to do so, God would fail. If God was all-powerful but personally didn't really care about you, then it wouldn't matter because he wouldn't reach down with an outstretched arm to take care of you, his child. So the fact that he is both Yahweh and Elohim is an incredibly powerful thought. That's what I want you to want to leave with you today. So as you're thinking about the names of God, remember he is your Yahweh. He is Elohim. He is both the personal God who saves and the God who rules the world. Knowing that, dwelling on that, believing that changes the way we view him, the people around us, and the hard things coming into our life. So I'll I'll see you next time. I look forward to looking through more names of God with you.